You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 271 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? Oh my God. I've got <laughs> exciting news. What? Tell me. Okay. So um, I was just cleaning out my, do you go into your junk folder in your emails? Yes, every day. Okay, but so before, like, like we've got a great episode coming up for all of those okay. <laughs> patients. So we're covering <laughs> headshots, lighting, faster editing hacks. We've got some listener questions and photo yes. critiques. So we are uh, getting to, to photography, everyone. Yes, we will. Don't, it's all about photography, mm-hmm. but we have to chat and catch up at the start. <laughs> so I was going through my junk emails because, like, sometimes some good ones slip through the cracks. True. I found a ripper today, Val. What was it? So from the White House, <laughs> the White House, okay. right? The like the big White House. Yes. And um, they want to send me $18 million, <laughs> Val, $18 million. So I've just like, look, it's official because the email says <laughs> the White House. Yes, of course. And then obviously, like I've thought about this carefully because the guy, Dizzy7439 at gmail.com, who sent me the email, um, he probably, because they're busy there at the White House, right? Right. He's probably sent it from a personal um, account, right? Mm -hmm. That's what that would be. And so all I have to do is reply with my um, bank details. Right. And they'll transfer the $18 million to me. Fantastic. It's a good day. Yes. It's a good day. So I'm pretty happy about that. Okay. I'm pretty happy about that. You? Well, um, speaking of emails, have, yeah. there's a great TED Talk on uh, this is what happens when you reply to spam emails. What, what are you saying, Val? Oh, it's Spam. Re- no, this is real. Okay. So this guy treats it as real too. Um, yeah. And I'll put the link in the show notes because it is one of the best things you've ever seen. So basically this guy's done a TED Talk and he actually replies to these emails and continues the conversation <laughs> and um, tells us what occurs. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> I'll just put that in the show notes because it's definitely worth watching. It's on YouTube. Um, or you can so just – So what am I going to buy you when I get my 80 million? million oh, yeah. jeez. Because, you know, I feel, I'm feeling really generous. Mm. Listeners – News at GinaMilitia.com, what do you want uh, for Christmas and or post it in the So You Want to Be a fa- uh, Photographer Facebook community group. Uh, what do you want for Christmas? I've got 18 mil to blow compliments of uh, this, this guy, guy Dizzy2479. Dizzy. I want yep. probably the new iPhone. 
iPhone or the buds that are noise cancelling? Or both. So the uh, iPhone 11? Yes, Pro Max. Mm. Does that tuck you in and kiss you goodnight? Probably. Because I kind of feel like it does. Yeah, probably. I've got two Alexas now. Why? Um, I don't know. They were on sale. I got another one. But the second one I got uh, speaks with a different accent. Oh, and I've asked her to speak like the other one and she says no. Really? <laughs> yeah, she refuses to change. She says this is the only way I can speak. What accents do they speak in? They've got – you can choose whatever you want. Yeah, they're di- but they're two different women. So, mm. uh, like, is one – do you reckon I've got a fake Alexa? It sounds like it. Oh, no. Mm. Anyway, Dizzy will sort it out for me. I bet. I, I, I'd like to be the voice of Alexa or something. I think like you that. could be the voice of Alexa. No, I could be Bogan Alexa. You I could. could be the – yeah. <laughs> anyway, you've also got another interesting link for us, Gina. Yeah, so uh, this is fantastic. Uh, we all love cat photos yes. and uh, personal projects. So this guy does a fantastic job at recreating iconic movie scenes mm-hmm. with his cats <laughs> and they're brilliant. Great. So there's stuff from E.T., there's stuff from Alien. He's recreated the um, scene from Ghost where Patrick Swayze is helping to <laughs> To, uh, helping Demi Moore to um, do pottery. Uh, it's, <laughs> there's um, the, shining. the Shining. There's um, <laughs> American Beauty, that famous image with Mina Savari. Um, he's done that with roses and his cat. The Notebook is hilarious. <laughs> and there's many more, but they're, they're fantastic. Dirty Dancing, he's lifting up the cat like Jennifer Grey. <laughs> yes. So anyway, there is um uh it's a great link and we'll put that link in the show notes as well. <laughs> What's been happening with the gold community? Oh, we've been doing uh lots of work and getting on with um lots of uh, like quotes, quoting for commercial gigs and like people just uh getting uh, onto the next level with their lighting, which is a big um, a big thing to overcome for a lot of people, getting over that fear of flash and getting out there. I've got the Goldies experimenting with, like, you know how I insist on the styrofoam head, mm. but we've also got, like, people using their teddy bears to just get lighting right and then taking that uh, and taking that to the next level on their jobs and working out how to uh, shoot large group portraits and pose and direct it's all going great guns and I've just been working on just before I got on the call with you Val a new um, Lightroom tutorial and also a tutorial on uh, posing and uh, editing uh, portraits as well. Okay fantastic and if you'd like to Mm. find out a bit more about the gold community have a listen to this. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at genomilitia.com I asked Natalie Finney why she joined. I think the point at which I decided to turn it into a business was um, when I actually had been listening to the podcast for a while yeah. and I, I took I took the plunge and joined the Gold Community without knowing too much about it and it yeah. was at, right at that point that I said, oh, I think I really think I could do something with this. Certainly um, in terms of learning for me and technical ability, um, I have 
gotten so much value out of workshops online mm. and the gold community, obviously all the tutorials that I have access to um, has been like completely in, invaluable to, to me and my learning. I, I have, you know, I've had some um, you know, done some reading mm. books and so and so, but yeah, I think um, yeah, online online workshops and and tu- and watching tutorials, watching for example, you, you know, you going through um, photo shoots and um, explaining how you know why uh, why you would do this or why you wouldn't necessarily choose that setting and um, all of that has been like yeah, an absolute world of wonder for me. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's episode. We're going to cover a whole bunch of things, including headshots, dealing with black and white, senior portraits, and more. We've got a number of listener questions. So our first question is from Nathan, and he has said, I almost forgot to pick my kids up because I was having so much fun with this. This is Merida. She's a star and is more interesting than my styrofoam head. So Merida, he's, and there's some photos here of Merida, is a doll. She kind of looks like a bit between a cross from Elsa from Frozen and and someone else. <laughs> um, uh, but he's taken a bunch of images with different lighting with Merida. And, of course, for regular listeners, you'll know that we encourage you to have a styrofoam head um, to to practice on with your photography. Gina's is called Wayne. Mine mm. is called Kate. Other people mm. have different names for their styrofoam heads. Um, but uh, Nathan is saying that he's finding Merida a little bit more interesting than you know, Gary or whatever it is that he's called his styrofoam head. So we'll put the images in the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com in case you want to have a look. But um, he's got a bunch of images with different kind of window lighting and um, it's it was overcast rain uh, outside the window. What are your comments, Gina? Well, my comments are this is fantastic and it just proves that it's like often uh, and, and, and this isn't a photo critique, I wanted to share these uh, images because I think that what Nathan do, has done is, is amazing and I encourage everyone to get out there and do something similar. Mm. It doesn't have to be uh, one of your kids' dolls. You can use one of your superhero characters. Which it's would you... one of his kids' dolls maybe. Oh, it could his be doll. his. Yeah, yeah, probably. But, you know, I've got uh, some Ninja Turtles lying around here. I've got all sorts of action, action figures. I've got my uh, G.I. Joe one, which I love. <laughs> and, uh, have you got a thing for? I do have. I do have a thing. We know. We know that. That's a fact. Um, (laughs) But it's because often what happens is photographers wait for. Well, I have to find the right model, or I've Mm. got to wait for my teenage child to be uh, in a good mood, which is usually on a Thursday between three (laughs) o five and three o six. So the window isn't very large, is it? So, and then you get out there and you want to test your daylight techniques or you want to test your flash techniques and what ends up happening is the person that you're photographing starts to get impatient about 30 seconds in and then you get flustered and you can't 
test the light the way you want. So using a doll or a styrofoam head and using it in all different conditions and just doing it for five minutes, will you will learn so much and, you know, at your own pace without someone judging you. So, so get out there, even use your Lego or a vase. It doesn't matter what you use. It doesn't matter what the photos are like. And when you've done it, please post in the Facebook group and show me what you've done because mm. it's like I I applaud this sort of stuff and this, this is what's going to make you a better photographer a lot faster than having to be flustered in front of, you know, someone and, and feeling that insecure. And this is how I test all my new gear. I don't find a model. I will do it, uh, you know, when I'm testing a new camera because often when you've got a new camera, Val, the menu system is completely different. And so you do feel a bit like flustered and, and this way I can take my time, test it out without someone standing in front of me rolling their eyes, which is what happens when I'll call one of the millennials to come and post. And even mm. your pets get uh, – see, one of the Goldies was saying they were experimenting with their new flash uh, with the cat, mm. and the cat even walked off after three <laughs> goes because the cat said, no, nah, I've had enough. So even your pets end up judging you. So um, My give Rex it a doesn't. go. He's a poser, isn't he? Rexy? Yeah, he's yeah. quite a poser. Yeah. Well, if you're lucky and you have a pet that is um, up for it, then that's great. If not, go to the inanimate object. And, you know, as I said, you don't need to. Get yourself some dolls. Get yourself some dolls. And if you're embarrassed to play with toys, then, you know, again, get a vase or or (laughs) the styrofoam head, I think, you know, for a few dollars. Or just get over it. Yeah, that's your favorite term, isn't it, Val? Get over (laughs) it. That's when you're feeling like really warm and fuzzy and I'll, I'll ring you and I'll ask you for advice and I'll bear my soul and I'll go, so what do you think, Val? And you'll go, yeah, get over it. Just get over it. Get over it. What, what else is there to do? No, I know. It's like, you know, I'll get, get a T-shirt with that or a key ring. That's what you should give as corporate gifts to all your um, – or your mentees. Okay. Is that what you say to someone you're well, mentoring? Is that a mentee? Well, some people say mentees. I say mentorees. So I'm just – Which is uh, correct, Val. Well, of course, yours, I believe obviously. <laughs> yeah, because yours would never you, – you, you, not often wrong, are you, Val? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, look, they're both probably all right, um, but my preference is mentoree. I actually agree with you on this, Val. Mentoree does sound sound better than mentee because mentee sounds like something you'd have, you know, to freshen your breath Mm. before you pash someone. They both actually are correct. I've just looked up the Macquarie Dictionary, but Uh I prefer mentoree. I agree. Yes. Awesome. All right, so let's move on to our next listener question from Stephanie. And Stephanie has said, I like to do photography as a hobby. It brings me peace outside my hectic work days as a nurse. I did a Christmas shot yesterday. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Now, we, of course, we're going to put this in the show notes. And um, Stephanie has done this great shot in front of – it's actually outdoors, seemingly in the backyard, but with kind of like a fake fireplace structure so that it looks like, you know, a living room and a beautiful picnic rug in front of it and some gorgeous Christmas um, decorations. There's Christmas cushions, like red and white and silver Christmas cushions with some snowflakes on them and let it snow. There's some um, decorative 
leaves that uh, on the fireplace and there's two gorgeous children. They kind of look three and five or two and a half and five um, playing or and looking up Christmas books and, and, and just, yeah, uh, having fun in front of the fireplace. But very, very Christmassy. Gina, what are your thoughts? Well, firstly, uh, Stephanie, and I think shout out to all the nurses who are listening. I think yeah. we're like courier drivers, truck drivers. Mm. We get a lot of nurses that listen as well and respect Stephanie. You guys do an amazing job. And yeah, this would be, this was a great uh, idea for a, a set of images, beautiful mm. Christmas themed. So I think you've done a fantastic job. I love the idea of having those uh, simple, like, well, I wonder if she, um, took her fireplace outside and set it up <laughs> um, or obviously maybe you're a builder or something and you just happen to have a fireplace lying around but you know <laughs> yeah 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 and and uh it's up against a beautiful hedge. Uh, green hedge and then so the background and the grass uh very similar and really simple so that makes a beautiful backdrop and also um you, you've really thought about this Stephanie by incorporating the um Christmas colors in that, yeah. that so you've got your backdrop of green and then uh all the props uh except for the children are like red or silver or white which mm. is all those good style uh, traditional uh Christmas colors so the yeah. styling is really good and then uh what she's done is with the directing and setting that up is uh given the the children something to do so they're reading a uh, a book in one of them and they're all snuggled up in their rug and then in the the other one they yeah they but they're reading books so that makes it easy for you to just go okay kids read the book and you can take the photos to take these to the next level uh i notice uh that when you were shooting those, the first image that you've uh, shared with us is all in open shade. So I imagine what's happened is either it was a bit earlier in the day and the sun or the sun hadn't come out. So you've got like lovely, flat, even lighting. And that's what you want to keep consistent across the board when you're doing a shoot like this. So what you want to do is find your location uh, a little bit earlier than the day of the shoot and have a look at when that whole area is going to be in open shade. So before the sun is starting to creep across the shot, because the second couple of shots that you took, you've got um, sort of hard sun and, and shade lighting the shot, which kind of... Uh, doesn't uh, takes away from the simplicity of the image. So you're going to have a lot easier a time shooting this if you just look for clean open shade. So uh, at, like a little bit earlier in the day when the sun isn't quite hitting that spot. So um, in terms of the styling, as I said, I love what you've done, but I would simplify it even more. So what I mean by that is have a think about, Val, you love a musical, right? No yeah. no kidding, right? Love, no. what's your favourite one? Uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. All right, can you describe one that maybe more people would have seen? <laughs> All right, Les Mis is a very popular one. Uh, another one. Book of Mormon. <coughs> nah. Sound of Music. Sound of Music. <laughs> well, you- Is there a generic, like, play then? Just name a play. That it, more people would have seen. Um, 
stage play? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> Peter Pan. Up. Peter Pan, Hamlet. Okay, uh, Hamlet. Okay. So I think that m- most people would have seen uh, a stage play at some stage in their life, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, have a think about when you're when you're watching either a musical or a stage play, Think about the set and and what you're seeing. So the the thing that happens when you're watching a um, a production, a stage production. So I'm not talking about television. I'm talking about when you go to the theatre and you watch a like a a production on stage. The set uh, design is usually really simple, and there's actually a lot less on stage that you would remember seeing. And so, what they do, what's really clever about stage design is they have minimal props on stage and what happens is your mind will fill in the blanks. So let's say that they wanted to have, you had a a production where it was uh, set in someone's living room and they were the the main action happened around the dining table. So what you'd have is they don't go to the trouble of building the entire set where you would have the floor, the walls, you know, everything that's on the walls uh, and all the props around it, you might have, it would be simplified down to the table and the chairs and there might be something, um, if they were to have a fireplace, it would be the fireplace and that's it. And then it's not filled with a lot of extra stuff because when you look at that as the audience member, your mind will just fill in the blanks and you'll, you'll see the important visual cues that are enough to tell you that's someone's lounge room. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... The same can be said for photography and I think the the mistake that a lot of us make when we're styling a shot is to overstyle it and to try and um, add too many elements to say this is a lounge room or this is the scene that I'm going. So um, taking away a number of items and just leaving a couple of key visual cues are enough for the mind to say, oh, I I see what's going on. This is uh, a reimagining of a lounge room. So what you've done is great uh, here with the the, the shots, uh, Stephanie. So, and I love the fireplace. So I would leave the fireplace mm. against that green, but I would remove like a lot of the. I'd get rid of uh, probably the rug, and uh, I'd get rid of the the Christmas signs and some of the the pillows as well and really simplify it. And I think you've nearly got there in the final image where you've got the two children in the rocking chair and they're covered in a blanket and they've got their book. That keeps it simple and then um, probably take away uh, some of the decorations on the on the set and some of the pillows as well and just keep it really simple. So maybe one pillow or something else that, that could be red. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Yep. All right. In terms of your angle, uh, when you're photographing kids, try and get down to the child's um, eye, eye level. So you want to be low down and unfortunately – 
Most photography, all the best photography has to happen when you're low down. So when you're photographing pets or kids, try and get down to their eye level. It always looks uh, a lot more engaging when you're on their level. So you need to lower the camera rather than shooting down and also get closer and fill the frame. And then the other thing that you might want to think about to simplify this shot, because when we look at an image, we're taking in all the information and what you want to do is try not to overwhelm the viewer. So I've talked about removing uh, props so the, the shot isn't as busy. The other thing that you can do to simplify the shot is using depth of field to really make the children the hero of the shot. So uh, for the final image that you've got, when you've got the two children in a rocking chair and then you've got the uh, fireplace in the background is if you used a shallower depth of field. So let's say for the sake of this image, I can see the children are sharp and then the, the fireplace behind them is also sharp and the trees behind them are also sharp. If you were to use a shallower depth of field and open up your aperture and focus on the children, then the background would be out of focus slightly. So that would lead our eye to the children and then uh, the, the background is just the supporting um, part of the image. The children are the hero of the shot. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. That's great. All right, let's move on to Andrea or Andrea. And uh, she said, these are the first two photos that I have ever taken with either the final photo in mind or the fact that they would need to be in black and white. I increase the contrast a lot with the gator, so there is an alligator in the shot, mm. to give it some punch. I may have gone a little far. I would truly appreciate any advice to improve either of these photos. They're taken from the car on a local wildlife drive in Florida. I would have loved to have used an ND filter to smooth the water on both photos, but the wildlife is way too close for comfort. <laughs> so these look like, I mean, yeah, this is, um, I've never been to Florida. However, I, you know, watched Dexter and <laughs> imagine what, um, this is kind of like the swampy stuff around the Everglades, I suppose. So there's these great stark um, black and white shots of um, swampy kind of area where we've got um, uh, trees, uh, tree trunks, thin tree trunks in the foreground, a body of water and um, vegetation in the background with a sole bird um sitting on one of the tops of the the um, branches of the tree. And the second image is of uh, the eyes and head of an alligator swimming along. I think these are fantastic that you've caught them from the car. Um, mm. Swimming along and there's, there's no doubt that it is an alligator, so I think it's a really, really excellent shot because all you see these eyes and the head in this body of water, but it's not just a plain body of water. There's some interest in the foreground with some mud and stuff. So it's a good composition as well. And the alligator is kind of in the right third. So it's, there's a nice balance, but um, Gina, your thoughts on Andrea's images. Yeah, so I think you've done a great job getting these from the uh, from the car, and uh, you've lived to tell the story. So it's good. So I think um, these 
are perfect for black and white conversions. Like they're very simple, a lot of contrast in the image, so they work really well as a black and white. To take these to the next image, some of the things that you want to be thinking about is your composition, so how you're framing the images. And I know you've taken these in a hurry from the car so that you didn't get eaten, uh, but uh, like you, you want to be thinking about how you're framing up your image. And so what, what, one thing that you can do whenever you're shooting anything um, at, like as you're in the train on the way to work is to have a camera or even your smartphone with you and try and practice taking images under pressure without don't worry about the what the final result will be it's about like just improving that muscle memory and getting those reflexes going so that you can um, see something out of the corner of your eye and shoot it really quickly and what's going to happen and then when when you uh, have some time, you can review your images and look at how you can improve them. And so what you want to be doing is getting to the point where if you see some of the great wildlife photographers, great portrait photographers, great street photographers, what they have is it's almost an intuitive thing that they they feel the shot. And I know a lot of the photographers that I've interviewed say the same thing. They just they just know when the, the image is in the right frame. So practicing that a lot more and every day if you can, shooting something, don't worry about what it is, but just trying to line up and get that composition is really going to, to help you uh, with that sort of thing. With wildlife, what you want to be doing is, again, like with the uh, images before that we were talking about, just keeping it, it simple so that when the viewer looks at the shot, there's no doubt about what the, what it is that they're looking at. So you want to simplify the background and uh, like find areas where it's just sky and 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 make it as simple as possible so that the the hero of the shot is the animal that you're photographing. So in order to do that, you see a lot of wildlife photographers often shoot with very long lenses because they're not able to shoot wide and be like right up next to the alligator or the lion or, or without being trampled. So that's why you see them with uh, 200 millimeter lenses or even longer 500 millimeter lenses. So if this is something that you're thinking of doing more of, Andrea, you maybe want to consider getting a longer lens so you can get a lot closer to the action. Uh, now, I'm not sure if you did, in fact, shoot these raw. There is no mention of that, but that that that's something that I would also suggest. If you shoot in raw, you've got uh, the ability to do a lot more with these in post-production. So when you're uh, shooting this sort of stuff and you've got like bright, uh, sky with those beautiful, uh, I call them film set clouds, Val, where they're like uh, fluffy yes, and, yes. you know, you, 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 if you were ordering clouds for a background, these are the clouds that Andrea's captured in her bird image that you would want to have, fluffy, perfect little film set clouds. I can see in this image there is a ton more detail that you could pick up in that background and really bring it out and uh, capture more highlights and capture more detail in the sky. So if you, when you're shooting something like that where you've got a bright background and a lot of whites, when you're exposing for the image, expose for the brightest part of the frame and then you can always retrieve a lot more detail in the shadows uh, when you're editing the image in 
Lightroom or Photoshop. So that's something that you want to be practicing when you're shooting that sort of stuff. So in the editing, you can bring out a lot more detail. When you're editing these images also in Lightroom, something that you can really work on is bringing in the texture of the, say, the skin of the uh, alligator, and also you can bring in the detail and the texture in the in the um, the branches of the trees and also in the sky. So that's something that you uh, want to make sure that you work on as well. But great shots, well done. Yeah, really great shots. And then we've got um, some shots from Lisa who has sh- uh, photographed her son, and it is a tight shot which is, you know, just of his head. There's um, depth of field so that the background is blurry. We don't really know what's in the background, but it's right on um, his shot and he's gorgeous. Right on Very his face cute. and he's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So this image, uh, Lisa, you've done a beautiful uh, job here and like filling the frame with his face and cropping in nice and tight and then thrown, completely thrown the background out of focus and nearly there. One of, one of the things that you want to be mindful of when you're shooting something, a portrait like this is make sure that you leave enough space under the chin because what happens is if you crop, you've just clipped the bottom of his chin there. Mm. Uh, when you crop suit too closely under the chin, it, chin, it kind of makes them feel really constricted. Uh, so you want to make sure, I, I think as a general rule, if you can try and leave uh, room above the head and room above the, the chin and you want to try and have the eyes in the top third of the frame. So visually, composition-wise, that's going to give you a stronger image and the next thing uh, to, to bring this image up to the next level is just with very, very basic editing. And there's an example in the show notes where I've taken this image and I've actually just lifted the exposure overall and added a little bit of black. And you can yeah. see the before and after there in the um, in the screenshot that I've taken where it's just like the the skin tone just felt a little bit too heavy and just overall it felt a little bit heavy. I've also uh, done a white balance on this image and what I've used is the whites of the eyes to do the white balance for this image and it's just lifted it slightly and uh, just given it a a sort of a a fresher and crisper look. But really minimal editing can make a huge difference uh, to your images. Fantastic. Right, we have from Fraser um, some portraits and he's taken some portraits of his uh, father and his partner. He says, as that's who I've got available, (laughs) hopefully Mm -hmm. it's obvious who's who. Well, yes, it is. (laughs) And um, uh, it's the first time he's used Photoshop, learnt mainly from YouTube videos, but, oh, Fraser, you should learn off Gina's tutorials in the gold community. Um, They're awesome. And uh, Fraser is... um, uh, has has got these shots of his father and his partner, and they look like they're taken in the studio. But I'm not sure if they're a studio. It's uh, it's definitely indoors and it's um, artificially lit. And yeah, he's done a good job. We'll put these images in the show notes, of course. Yeah, and he shot these with a 70 to 200 uh, f 2.8 lens, and also the 50 millimeter 1.8 lens of his dad. So he's partner is 70 to 200 and the dad is shot on the 50 mil and then he's also used the uh, Godox AD 200s fantastic light setup with a beauty dish with and without uh, grid 
so uh, great. Like I can't believe this is your first set of images uh, using off-camera flash. Excellent work. Really well done. Uh, great lighting, great energy in all the shots. You should be so proud of yourself uh, with these images. To take these to the next level, I'd actually recommend, and I know you've done a very good job, but I'd actually recommend you take a step back. And this is something that I do with all the Goldies. I know because uh, there's so much information out there, everyone just wants to get to the good stuff, right, Val? Yeah. Yeah. It's like let's get to the sexy lighting. We want to be using beauty dishes. We want to be using grid spots. The problem with that is uh, you kind of skip a few important steps and I think being able to see exactly what the light is doing is one of those important steps. So I recommend that everyone, when you're starting with off-camera flash, you start with the simpler modifiers and I recommend you start with a shoot-through umbrella as your first modifier and what the shoot through umbrella does is it, it gives you a spread of light that's very soft and even and it's very difficult to make a mistake with the uh, shoot through umbrella so you're going to get uh, have a, an easier time of your lighting and if you're someone that uh, struggles a bit with that it, it's just going to give you that encouragement to keep going and you can see exactly where the light is and what it's doing and you won't miss crucial little things like the, the problem with working with very hard light like a beauty dish and a grid spot to start with is hard light also gives you hard shadows and they're hard to control when you're starting out so start with a I think you're going to have a easier time when you start with an umbrella and then when you really get the hang of that then move to the softbox and then finally, the beauty dish. The beauty dish is the hardest of all the modifiers to use because even a, like a one millimeter difference, a slight angle change completely changes the look of the image. All right. So the other thing that would take these images to the next level is to uh, white balance them. So you can see, I can see in some of the images that the uh, the white balance is a bit out. So you want to be doing that uh make sure you can take a white balance if there isn't a neutral tone in the image then I generally use the whites of the eyes or sometimes the teeth to do a, a white balance from and uh, that will give you a much more neutral look to the image so uh, if you just do a raw file then basically all the ambient light that's in the room is going to influence uh, the 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 color of that image so if you've got too much uh, if you've got some lights on in the lounge room when you're shooting or it's evening or there's all sorts of things that kind of contaminates the the color of the image and you'll get all sorts of different um, tones in your image so you want to bring that back to neutral by doing a correct white balance so white balance is one thing that'll give these a much more slicker high-end look and uh, the other thing is uh, that when you can't get your uh, partner or dad to, to practice the, the lighting styles using the head on a stick and also um, 
for you, uh, Fraser, uh, practice all the different, learn all the different lighting styles. And we've got uh, a couple of episodes that cover that where they, where I run through the different lighting styles. So things like Rembrandt and, and split and loop lighting and beauty lighting. Practice those and so that you learn how to do those quickly and working with reflectors is going to really help you take your lighting uh, to the next level and give you that confidence to be able to light anyone in any different style. All right, and you talk about getting the um, uh, getting uh, your own style and that's how you do it, just by shooting a lot and also uh, finding photographers whose work you admire and maybe having a go at uh, sort of um, taking uh, – um, using those to not not copy but being influenced by those images and then you continue to shoot and you continue to find the things that you love and eventually as you keep shooting lots and lots and lots you'll end up uh, developing your own style from there but well done on those that's great for a first shot yeah okay so we have from amber a great image of a young woman um, sitting sort of uh, against a wall outside a building, kind of like in a laneway, and um, she's got jeans and like a tank top on um, and looking towards the camera, but the camera can also see down the laneway so we can see that, you know, it, um, there's some background behind her. Uh, and Amber has said, how do, you, how do any of you speed things along in your workflow when you have to retouch many photos in a gallery? For example, senior sessions and acne. I'm set up to where I can batch edit my family sessions, which is awesome. But what are some things you've all done to streamline your editing of senior galleries? Good question. Hey, Gina. Yeah, so the and senior portraits uh, in the US means that you're photographing, uh, I think, high school high graduates. School. It's not, uh, and uh, yeah, often we get confused here in Australia by that term, yeah. but it's actually for high school graduates. And so that's and 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 often you take or, or models portfolios where you're taking tons of shots, and uh, you, you're editing um, like little imperfections from the skin. It can take a long time. So the best way. Uh, uh, to speed that up is I love Lightroom for being able to do all the basic edits and what you can do because often I've got shoots where I might have um, a couple of thousand images that I've shot over a day and I might edit those down to say a couple of hundred but that's still a lot of images but what I can do is if they're all shot in the same lighting and same location then I can edit one so I do my basic edit in Lightroom so white balance exposure blacks um, and uh, you know contrast all of that on the one image and then the beauty of Lightroom is I can copy all those settings and apply them to the other 200 so that immediately that's what sold me when I first started using Lightroom that I could do that so I can apply that to 200 images so edit one basically and then apply that to all 200 that's automatically going to speed up all my um all my editing and then in terms of the uh, the detailed like the cosmetic retouching that you might do what i've done is i've actually created um photoshop uh, skin retouching actions and it's not that it actually i don't like uh creating an action that will retouch the skin uh, automatically like a one size fits all. There are actions like that uh, available. I don't like them because 
they don't look real. They 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 over soften the skin, or or that it just doesn't look right. You need to do it manually, but using actions that set up all the different uh, presets that you need is really going to help. So I've got the a five minute advanced. Uh, Photoshop action for um, blemish skin that right. like once you click on that the the goldies are using it you'll click on it and then it's ba- just a, a matter of uh, removing those blemishes but it'll also remove the uh, the reds and that that speeds everything up so the other thing that you want to be doing Amber when you're doing a lot of these images is the right lighting is going to save you so much time so if you've lit your skin tones well then um and the and the lens choice that you use so if you've got um if you've got a young teenager and they have blemished skin just by lighting them and also using a shallow depth of field so a very shallow depth of field just that slight blur on the skin makes a huge difference to the amount of detail that you're going to see on the skin and so editing is going to be really quick and easy as opposed to when you might shoot, say if you shot a skin tone at f2.8 wide open and lit that so that you're kind of um, decreasing the detail on the skin compared to, say, if you shot it at f11, all the detail and, and with hard light so that you can see all the pores and all the blemishes, then you have to do a super detailed retouch. So think, think about that when you're shooting as well. That's going to save you a ton of time. Fantastic. That's um, some fantastic uh, questions from the listener community and thank you very much, Gina, for going through them. Of course, you can look at those images, as I've mentioned, in the show notes and um, we need to move on to our Mm -hmm. Aussie slang of the week. (laughs) What (laughs) What is our Aussie slang of the week this week, Gina? Uh, One of my favourites, Val. Go on. Budgie smugglers. Okay, so budgie smugglers. I I imagine there are budgies in other parts of the world, you know, the birds, budgerigars, budgie smugglers. So what what might a budgie smuggler look like? Think about that, right? So uh, for those of you who don't know what budgie smugglers are, they are, Gina? They're small or tight male beachwear with the with the speedo logo on them, I didn't realise they had to you had to they had to be particularly speedos. But uh, there, there is a number of Aussie slang words that <laughs> that you can use for this uh, tight sort of um, uh, what would you call them a brief or a swim swimwear the the brief yes, like not 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 shorts but that... they they look like underwear very yes. tight very. Very, very tight, and we call them budgie smugglers. There are there are other words because that... they leave little to the imagination. <laughs> Pretty much, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> so let's see you put that in a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love to see it. We'd love to hear it. All right, this brings us to the end of this week's episode. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level and you want to be mentored by me, then check out the Goal Community. Just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Goal, join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.